0: Hi, and welcome to another shot glass of recovery with your host, Julie, half of the dynamic duo that brings you the podcast to sober chicks. Welcome to April 13th, 2020, 13's a lucky number for me, I guess, I mean, depending on how you look at it. Um, my first date and then my wedding date with my ex-husband was on the 13th and I think it's a lucky number. And what's also cool about today and why I think it's extra lucky is I have a guest with me via speakerphone. Her name is Jamie. She's a longtime listener, and she has corresponded with Lisa and I. I think she's probably one of our first listeners and corresponded with Lisa and I during email Um And I've gotten to know her a little bit through there and through personal correspondence. And I thought it would be a really awesome idea to have her on the show because of the nature of her story. And I'll let her tell you all about that. So welcome, Jamie. Hi, Julie.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: I'm so excited. It's kind of
1: funny that you brought up the 13th because... 13th is a very lucky day for me. I was actually born on Friday the 13th. No way! That's
0: amazing!
1: (laughs) Yeah, so over the years, I've noticed here and there, like 13 has come to be a lucky number for me, so I get
0: that. Oh, that's awesome. I actually think it was Friday the 13th that I got married. So whenever I see a Friday the 13th, I'm always like, oh, this is going to be a good day.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's like, oh, it's bad luck. I'm like, you know what? For me, I look at it as good luck because I don't have that horrible of a day on Friday the 13th.
0: Oh, that's cool. So I asked you to come on and talk a little bit about your story, specifically because hindsight is twenty twenty, and I know with your sort of ups and downs trudging this happy road of destiny that we call recovery, you have, I think, an important story to tell, and you can appeal to a lot of others that are trudging this happy road to destiny. So I was hoping you could share a little bit of your experience with us and what's been going on with you over this past little while.
1: Yes, absolutely. So, I am 29 years old now, and I started using when I was 18 years old. So, I had a solid, you know, a decade of using, and, you know, I grew up with an alcoholic father and a mother who was unmedicated by problems throughout my childhood, so there wasn't a whole lot of times when we would sit down and talk about what's going on and how to just navigate through this thing we called life. And they did a great job, don't get me wrong. I love my parents. I'm still speaking with them. However, there was a lot of things that just fell short. Um, So I was a victim of, you know, sexual child abuse. And it's something I didn't talk about for almost a decade. Um, There was so much shame involved, thinking that I participated in it. You know, that was my fault. I should have known better. But it took a very long time to talk to the proper people to accept the fact that it was not my fault and there's still life worth living for even after something so tragic can happen to you. So, I think therapy is just so, so important and like even my therapist, she's a therapist because it's so crucial
0: Mm
1: -hmm. and right? So, um, you know, even after that, I had a lot of deaths in the family. I lost my brother when I was 16 years old. I lost my cousin when I was nine years old to gun violence. So. I always felt like the world kind of owed me something, like, it, like, took so much stuff from me when I was young, that, like, how could you do all this stuff to me, I was just so angry, and angry at my parents, angry at the world, angry at, you know, whoever, and I started subconsciously trying to fill this void that has just grown so deep over the years that I subconsciously tried to fill it with drugs and alcohol, and partying and things that I thought were making me happy just because they were temporarily making me feel good and it wasn't until I mean I've been coming to NA for a couple years now and it wasn't until I found the right room and the right sponsor and I actually started calling the phone numbers before I started doing something (laughs) stupid not after
0: that doesn't help
1: (laughs) you know (laughs) Yeah, so it wasn't until I started like applying all these things I was learning into the rooms because what they are telling you, it isn't bullshit. Like it works, and if you do it right, it'll work for you. And your life will become so much better. Before, like and like before I did get clean, I always thought, well, that's my fun. Like I'm never gonna have fun again. Like Mm -hmm. that's how I like to party. But that's just not the truth of it at all. Like. You can actually have more fun if you're doing it right. So, unfortunately, there have been times that I did relapse because I wasn't completely working the steps like I should have. And as of right now, my clean day is February twentieth, two thousand twenty. So today is fifty-three days.
0: Oh, congratulations! You, that,
1: you know, thank you. And before that, I would always get, you know, a few months in or a couple months or a couple weeks, and I would always just, you know, get a little bit of time, but yet I would always find my way back to trouble, and I was just so tired of that constant suffering and that cycle of just looking and using, and there was something more out there that I wanted, it was a life worth, worth living for, and um, it's, it's hard I feel like I wish I could just give people like a crystal ball just to be like, this is what your life can be like, because it's almost you don't think your life can be better, but it really can be.
0: So what are your red flags then that you now know looking back led to your relapse or as we call it in the rooms going out again?
1: So, what led me back to using again was I had a lot of reservations that I didn't identify with. Um, like, there was a lot of times, I'll wait, well, maybe if I just have, you know, a couple beers in the search, it'll be okay, you know? I always justified it as, well, that wasn't my problem, so, because I'm an I'm a NA person, I feel like NAA, they're all siblings, you know, they're great mm-hmm. headquarters, um, so even beer in the fridge is a reservation and I don't need I don't need I don't need to be holding myself up like that so it was reservations that I had in the back of my mind and a part of me when I first would get clean I was just doing it for other people Mm. you know I was either doing it for my parents you know doing it for you know my boyfriend or whatever but It's so true that you can't stop until you are truly ready to surrender and to truly give it up. Because until you're 100% ready to surrender, you're not going to stop. And maybe that's okay. My sponsor always says, maybe you just needed to go out and do a little bit more research. And sometimes I went and did that research and I came back and realized I cannot use successfully. I have to... You know, I have to stop everything. I can't smoke marijuana. I can't go out to the bar. I can't use pain medication. Like, it's all in the same family. Yeah. And if I use a little bit, then it goes up on the edge,
0: you know? Yeah, and I think that's, so many of us can identify with that. Like, I toyed with smoking marijuana at about three or four years into recovery because I liked the idea of calming myself down and coming out of myself a little bit. But it's that slippery slope, right? Like anything that changes my personality or how I feel is so dangerous because it lowers my um view on reality and then everything's a good idea that's why a lot of people in na and ca and some of these other uh sibling groups that it alcohol is not the issue are always like yeah but booze isn't my issue and that's why we like to call it the gateway drug like i know for me i never tried drugs unless i was drunk and thankfully none of those drugs did for me what alcohol did for me so i only have one addiction to deal with but i i I think it can also be, it's kind of like the spiritual experience in the room. Some people it happens all at once right away, and then other people it's gradual. I feel like some of us have to keep going out and experimenting before we really get clarity on what kind of an addict we are.
1: Totally, 100%. And I always struggled with the fact of saying I'm powerless. Mm. Because, and I, I had to tell myself, like, you are powerless over your addiction. Like the fact that you are here listening to this podcast, wanting to do something more with your life, that's such a big deal. So it's really important to kind of just give yourself a break and don't be so ashamed of your story. What would be the most shameful is having no other ending to your story because there's so much more to live for.
0: Oh, I love that.
1: Thank you. So, so yeah. Like I feel it's so I under, I know how hard it is to get clean and to stay clean. It's it's difficult. and it? it's not a straight line. I always imagine. I'm like, well, I'm clean now. It should be rainbows and butterflies. And you know what I mean? But we still have to live life on life's terms, and it, it makes it a hell of a lot easier when you're not so foggy minded, and you actually have money in your bank account, and you know, you have all these tools do navigate life with now so it's so much better in the end I wish I could have a, a magic ball
0: it's interesting
1: crystal ball I everybody.
0: I know this is how I feel about therapy I'm like the the crystal ball is now therapy like please everybody go to therapy <laughs> But it's amazing what you just said about life. I feel like when we're in our addiction, what we think is the perfect life is stuff that's really loud and big and obvious. And then all of a sudden we hit recovery. And it's the simple things like having money in our bank account, and waking up without a hangover and just being able to go for a walk and be clear headed. And all of a sudden, like the best life lived is one that's quiet and peaceful and grateful. And you don't know that until you actually get into it so you think things like I'll never have fun again and I love how you I don't I I can't I don't remember the words specifically you used but you talked about like when you do fun right it's really (laughs) fun and the right kind of fun varies from person to person but I can't believe how much fun I have doing stuff that before I would have thought was absolutely ridiculous
1: Totally. Like, I always just wanted to be, like, that woman who can just have, like, some tea and just do some Sudoku and just hang out on her patio. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, that always just sounds like the perfect afternoon. But I think you've even touched on this. Like, it's so hard just to be at peace with yourself
0: Mm
1: -hmm. to even be able to do that. And... Because we're always trying to chase something. You know, it's really hard for us to just sit down and look at ourselves in the mirror and, or just to sit with ourselves alone and talk to ourselves and to just think about your thoughts and your feelings. And it's really hard to look in the mirror and be like, hey, you're beautiful. You got this. You're doing good.
0: Yeah. There's...
1: And that was one thing that really... Yeah, I almost had to, like, start talking to my addiction at some point, because when I would get triggers, I'd be like, hey, addiction, you are not doing that to me again. Like, I'm not letting you bring me down. Like, you've done that to me in the past. I'm in charge now. Like, this isn't
0: happening anymore. There's a woman in our home group, and she has a tattoo that on, I think it's on her shoulder, and it says, thank you for sharing, and it's her, It's not a commentary on, like, recovery. It's a comment to her addiction, so when her addiction is speaking in her ear, telling her horrible ideas, she goes, thank you for sharing, and then she moves on as if it was a share from her addiction, and she is listened, and now she's over it and moving forward.
1: I absolutely love that. Me too. I love that. Me too. It's it's like you have to like identify it too. Yeah, that's another thing I've learned in good old therapy that just sitting with yourself, identifying these feelings, processing them, be like, why do I feel this way? And come up with a solution, you know? It's a program of solutions too.
0: Yeah. It's
1: okay to feel. That's also one, one thing I always was so shameful about is, you know, when I was younger, people would be like, oh, it's quiet, quiet, no, it's okay, shh, shh. but it's almost like, no, it's okay to cry, like, you have to let it
0: out. Yeah, it's like the don't cry thing. I, f- for so many of us, our feelings um, in addiction mostly, but even out of like in recovery, they're so intolerable. It's like, I do not want to feel like this right now. And the more resistance we put on rejecting that feeling, the more unbearable it gets. And the next thing you know, you know that a drink is going to quiet them down or a drug is going to quiet them down. And it's like, I love how you said in addiction, how you chase things. and. The, th- the cool thing about recovery is you slow down and then all the things that you didn't even know you wanted, they find you and you go from chasing to just receiving things. And it's the same thing with our feelings. Like if I'm going to chase after something, it's going to come to me in a really difficult way or I'll exhaust myself before I get there. But if I sit with something, the right things find me. So like peace will find you if you stop chasing something.
1: Totally. Yeah, you've of that beauty because I also feel like if you put out to the universe, like, it will come to you. Like, if you put out good, you will receive good. And one other thing is, like, gratitude. If you are gratitude and you wake up every morning grateful for everything you have, like, you will think, like, good things will come to you. Like, it, it happens. It's kind of amazing. Yeah.
0: I woke up feeling um, really, I ended my day not in a great place yesterday. I was grieving and I kind of woke up that way. And then when I woke up this morning, I don't want to say I felt a sense of shame, but I got a reality check and I just started thinking about Um, all the good things in my life. I'm a religious person. So so I started to think of the resurrection and what Jesus did for us. And I'm like, am I really grieving some dude that doesn't want to be with me when all this other shit that I have in my life I'm so lucky to have? Like, I've just woken up in a condo where it's quiet and I don't have to fear for my safety. And I have a robe to put on because I'm cold. And I have tea waiting in my kitchen and like what seems like an overabundance of food. Like i I'm really going to sit here and lament a relationship, which is important, yes, but I kind of got this reality check that my whole world was crashing down on me for this. And when I stepped back and looked at it, I was like, yes, it's sad, but is this really going to ruin the next week for us? The answer is no, and it's such a relief yeah. to get those grace moments, which is why meetings are so important because you come in stuck in your head and then you step outside of it for a little bit and you're like, okay, I'm a little crazy today. <laughs> it's right-sizing our, our problems, right? I'm like, okay, I'm right-sized and now I can actually enjoy my day instead of wanting to – because I there's – there's a big part of me that loves the romance of misery, and so I had planned to have a full day in misery to myself. And my reality check sort of pulled me out of it, and I'm like, okay, all right, thank you, God.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know. And sometimes it takes even a little bit of just an attitude change. I know in the beginning, because it's it's miserable when you're detoxing and you know and going through that first process of getting clean. You know, you're gonna be you're gonna be irritable, and you're gonna be annoyed, but you just kind of got to take a beat and be like, Hi right. thank God, thank God I'm here, things could be worse, Like things will be okay. It's so, it's so difficult getting clean and staying clean, mm-hmm. but just being grateful and waking up and doing those gratitude lists, they do make a big difference, mm-hmm. um, and I was actually listening to something this morning, they did a study about 10 years ago. And they took the best of the best, like the best basketball player, the best pilot, the best of the best from all different types of fields. And they had these people write down, you know, about 10 traits that they think they carry, whether it's compassion, all that good stuff. And they said that the top two traits, it was grit and gratitude is every single person wrote down.
0: Ooh, I love that. So it's kind of
1: interesting... Right? It's kind of interesting that every single person is got to work hard, but you also got to be grateful, because if you don't have gratitude, you're not going to get too far in life, because you have to appreciate where you came from and what you have. Otherwise, you're not going to... You're just going to be a little butthead head kid, you know what I mean?
0: Oh my gosh, you have to start, like, a tank top and t-shirt company that says Grit and Gratitude on it. I would buy a whole bunch. Oh,
1: that's a good idea, but <laughs> I thought that was just so interesting to hear, because I wasn't until like me, it wasn't until recently that I started doing gratitude lists, like writing them down. I used to do them in my head a lot mm-hmm. But it wasn't until I actually started writing it down or even go on your phone if you have an excuse me, let me look it up because it's absolutely amazing. It is called I am Sober, and it tracks how many days you've been sober. Um, how much money you've saved, how you feel. It has other people's stories on there. And it also can include a gratitude list. And just writing it down and seeing it and going over it made me so much more appreciative of the things I do have. Because it's so easy to get caught up in our own minds and to be like, oh, well, I could have this and I could have that. And one of my biggest flaws is comparing myself to other people. Mm -hmm. And I really had to understand that Someone else's happiness—that's not my happiness. So yeah, they might be happy doing their version of that life, but to me, I need to be grateful for what I have and the things I can build, work to do the things I can feel to have. So I feel like gratitude lists really go a long way.
0: I do too, and it sounds so cheesy and corny, like it's like, ugh, gratitude yeah. list. But the second you start to do it, you're like, oh. It really does change things. And I love that you commented on comparing because I remember one time at a women's retreat saying to the women, just because she is doesn't mean you aren't. And it was like I could just see the lights coming on with people. Like we have a tendency to focus on other people because of what we think we lack. But the truth is that most of the times the things I envy about other women, I think if I had that, would I be happy? And then it's like, no, no. I was jealous about a girl at my church that, like, moved to America and started her own juice company. And I would, like, in anger and jealousy and envy, creep her Instagram page. I'd be like, ugh, look how successful she is. Ugh, look what she's doing. But then I thought, if I had her husband, would I be happy? No. If I had her job, would I be happy? No, I just want what I think looks really free. And to me, she had everything. She was free because she had love and she had money. But those things would not be the things that would make me happy. I wouldn't work well in that environment as a as an entrepreneur. And I wouldn't work well with a husband like that. So it really comes down to, I think, most of us, whether you have an addiction or not, that sort of attitude of comparison, which will kill every bit of joy and gratitude in your body.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's almost like perception too, because we might view someone that way, but you know, she has a hundred things going on in her life that she might not be happy about. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's definitely a perception. God, just having that good perception and a good attitude about it, it does go a long way. And when I did enter the rooms, I know there was a lot of things that they said that. I I do sound super cheesy, you know? (sighs) I don't want to do a gratitude list. I don't want to write down my character defects. Like, you know what I mean? But these things have been successful for these many decades because these really do work. And whether or not you want to write down your steps and tell them to multiple people, you can just tell it to one person. And just telling that one person is going to make all the difference because if you go up to step four and you don't actually say your character defects and get it out, it's almost like you shouldn't have in them out because you still need to talk about it.
0: Yeah.
1: And yeah, I feel like I'm kind of going in circles here. But That's okay. No. So excited talking about it. <laughs> it. Like,
0: the thing with step four is, like, if you do step four, you better do the rest. Because if not, it's like you're just flapping in the wind. Like, what the hell are you going to do now that you know that these are the causes and conditions of your addiction and your, quote, unquote, character defects? Like, if you don't keep going, it's like you're left holding a basket of rabid, fire-breathing dragons. Like, what do you do with this shit?
1: Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, these things might sound weird and cheesy and just totally out of your comfort zone, and that's okay. If you didn't feel out of your comfort zone, then I would be a little more concerned.
0: Because
1: this is all new to us. Like, everything, or new when you're coming in the rooms, it's all new. Like, it's all brand new to you. So I understand why people are a little off-put to it, because I thought, you know, AA was just a bunch of old men in trench coats with paper bags, you know? Yep. And NA were people that lived under bridges, you know? <laughs> you know? And that's not the case at all.
0: No. There's all kinds so of us. So when you're learning
1: all this stuff, it's really important to take, take these little cheesy things that people are going to say to you and they tell you to do. It's really important to listen to them, because even something as little as a gratitude list will continue make you feel completely different and whether you decide to do that you know at the end of the night or if you just decide to do it first thing in the morning mm-hmm. whichever one works for you as long as you're doing it
0: yeah I agree they're little gifts that we sort of pass back towards the person that's just coming in the door that are free so just take them and do them and see what happens like what do you have to lose really
1: yeah absolutely and I think that's one thing why I did keep relapsing because I was coming to the meeting and I was planting all these little seeds, you know, but I wasn't, I wasn't nurturing them. I wasn't watering them. I wasn't taking care of them. So yeah, I bought the seeds, but I really wasn't gardening. So it wasn't until I went into this one N.A. room and I really found my people there. So that's one thing I think is really important if you feel like you're in a meeting right now and you've. Can't share or you can't open up, maybe it's time to think about venturing out to some different meetings because you will find your people. And that finally, that's what happened to me, and I found the perfect sponsor for me and the perfect group. So all these seeds I was planting over the years, they finally started growing. So yeah, it might have taken me a couple of years. I wasn't the person that came into the NA rooms and I was able to quit that day. That just wasn't my story, and I'm okay with that. So. I don't care how you get clean, as long as you get there, and that's all that matters.
0: Yeah, keep trying. If you woke up today, you still have a chance.
1: Absolutely. So I think it's so exciting, now when I see someone, like, coming into the room the first time, it just gives me so much hope, because it takes a lot of guts Mm -hmm. to uh, go into any room, you know, and to admit, oh, yeah, hey, I'm an addict, I'm an alcoholic, but then, yeah, like you said, to keep waking up every morning, and be like, oh another day down like it's it's very rewarding Mm -hmm. and the freedom that came with it was just more than more than you can imagine like it almost leaves me speechless sometimes because you think you're not going to have fun anymore you think you're going to lose out on all this stuff and yeah you might lose a couple friends but guess what they weren't really your friends to begin with they were just people to party with so the things that you are losing they're not bad things to lose
0: no, you're giving the them up for that better things. Gain are tremendous. Exactly. Well, I think that's an awesome place to leave off. What about you? Yeah. I think you just I'm heard my Canadian accent when I said about. It's it's always a dead giveaway of us Canadians. <laughs> we just don't say it right. <laughs> Thank You're you okay. so much for coming on to the show. It's been a long time coming. Thank you for being so supportive. I love that you've included Lisa and I on your journey and that we, I got to finally hear a little bit of your story. So thank you.
1: Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. I had such a
0: blast. That's awesome. All right. Well, that leaves us on the lucky April 13th. And I will be back to talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for tuning in. And we'll see what we get on the roster then. Bye.